Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today, we are talking about training with breast implants. It's a bit of a controversial topic, but I feel like it's super important to put out some information out there because it's so hard to find um, any reliable information or personal experiences on breast implants, particularly when it comes to the health and fitness industry and training. It's also a very common procedure. Like it's probably one of the most common plastic procedures um, that you can get. And I feel like when I, and probably yourself, Danny, um, got implants, there wasn't in my immediate circle anyways, or my friendship groups, I didn't actually know a lot of people. And I believe I came to you for a personal experience. Yeah, that's right. You were sort of one of the first um, people that I personally knew that had it as well. And definitely with the emergence of social media and things becoming more Mm. quote unquote normal, um, more and more people have it. Now, we sat down to record this episode probably yeah, probably about a year ago. And then mm. we started talking about it and then we just didn't feel good about it for some reason because we don't want this episode to influence anyone for or against. Yeah. It's just based on personal experience. It's based mm. around training if you've had the procedure yourself or if one of your clients has as well. So we mm. definitely don't want to come in um, with a bias. Obviously, we've both had the procedure, so we can only speak from our experience. Um, but we just kept getting asked about it yep. for, for the whole year. Everyone would slide mm. in. Can you talk about this? Can you talk about this? So here we are today. Yeah. Like you said, we did start recording it and it was probably like 15, 20 minutes into the episode and we had to stop. And I was like, mm. just don't feel right about this. But mm. now we're actually meeting the demand of the questions that are coming in. Um, even myself this morning, Danny, one of the questions came in um, a live that I was doing in the TWS group. And it was about training with breast implants because I'd mentioned something on my story. And I was like, I'm not going to spoil it. Okay. We're mm. going to release this podcast next week. So for everyone that does slide into the DMs or does ask questions, questions um this episode is for you yeah yeah so keep the questions coming but Mm. um we both got our procedure in 2017 around the same time now we had been competing um a few times since Mm. I think I'd done about two shows knowing you you would have done so many by then (laughs) probably Um, five yeah. yeah there you go but I personally when I lost the weight and started putting it back on after competition it didn't go back to my chest Mm. And that was kind of my first ever time that I really paid attention to it. Growing up, I didn't really care. It it was what it was. I'm happy. I was happy. I still am. Um, Mm. But yeah, competing, you Mm. lose the body fat. And for me, it came back elsewhere, everywhere, but my chest. I'm like, hmm, okay. And then I really started thinking about it um and then yeah ended up just getting the procedure Mm, yeah and that's one of the i guess it's a catch-22 when it comes to training and dieting because our breast tissue is actually made up of adipose tissue or fat so when you naturally diet down most women will notice they'll get leaner in the upper body it's usually Mm. the first place that the fat goes um lower body holds on a lot longer because of estrogen receptors whereas upper body it just mobilizes a lot more quickly and that includes our breast tissue so when you are resistance training or dieting down um, you will notice that breast tissue usually does reduce and there's nothing that you can do about that it's just the way it is Um, we can't uh, I guess isolate or target 
uh, fat loss either, which everyone knows. Uh, It's just a part of the process. And we, like what Danny mentioned, we had already been, I guess, living this lifestyle, competing and training and doing all of the things before we decided to have breast augmentation. It wasn't like a reflex of like, oh, well, I need this to compete or I need this to do that. Mm. Um, It was definitely something that like we put a lot of thought into and we'll have a chat about our experiences. But, you know, it was definitely not because of competing. And I really want to stress that because I get a lot of questions about, do I need them to compete? Mm. Um, is this why you got them? Will it help me become a pro? And I'm like, no, 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 mm. no. And it definitely wasn't the thought process in my mind when I decided to um, get them done either. Yeah. Yeah. I think it just highlighted a little bit more attention um, to our own body. Cause that's what competing yeah. does. And we've spoken about that in our um, episodes just specifically around competing. So you need sort of a pretty good relationship with yourself because you will be analyzing every part of you. So I think that competing drew my attention to my body a lot more naturally Mm. as it does. But I like what you just said, I, we both didn't do it because it thought we thought it would help us succeed in that sport. It Mm. was just, that was our sport we were doing. Um, And then it was separate in that instance because you don't get marked on whether you have boobs or not. A lot of the pros and world champs actually don't have breast implants. There are a lot of natural athletes out there. Um, So it's definitely not part of the criteria. But Mm. if it helps you bring that confidence and that inner warrior and that goddess to the stage, Mm. if it will actually help you feel better about yourself to the point where that changes your stage presence, then indirectly, it can help you in that way when it comes to competing. Yeah. And that was definitely something that sort of come up for me. I've always been quite bottom heavy um, and like a lot of lower body muscle mass as well. And I build quite easily down the lower body and also quite petite up top. Mm -hmm. I have a small rib cage and that was definitely something like I feel a bit more balanced. Um, Although, Someone asked me the other day, like, how it was life different when you got breast, breast implants. I'm not sure if you saw. I, answered I my, did. I like, laugh I at your like, answers. I laugh was it. exactly the same. Like, it wasn't, right? Nothing changes. People don't treat you differently. Like, life doesn't get better because you're looking a different way, despite what people think. Like, if you fit the status quo, then I will be happy. And that's not the case at all. And I'm very, very glad that I didn't get it done or go in with that way of thinking I was like this is for me I was actually quite anxious about telling people that I was getting the procedure done I don't think Mm -hmm. I wore a singlet for like four months I don't think I flaunted it for ages not flaunted, but like I didn't embrace it for a while until I felt really comfortable in my new skin so to speak yeah that's good and I think it really depends on your environment who you're hanging around with because down at Swan Hill, I doubt many people would have had it when you had it. You <laughs> yeah. would have stood out like a sore thumb, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think, yeah, I, I I, still don't know. There might be like a handful of people in the country. A lot of people will be able to resonate with this as well. In the city, especially places like Bondi, Gold Coast, <laughs> right? It's so common. Oh, yeah. So mm. common. Mm. Regional, rural places, definitely not. No, it's not a priority really. Mm. Um, yeah, so environment's everything. Um, I tried to grow um like muscle in my pecs, gonna say I, breast i know well <laughs> i did to, to be honest that's what, what i was going down so i tried to grow oh. them myself by training my pecs but it backfired because i got these you know how the guys have the striations and oh i grew some out. hectic pec muscles i can do i could do the the titty dance the pec oh dance God. left right left right i could do all that i'm like mm. 
I'm just getting more muscular. It's not really helping the the cause here. So I did try and do the work and grow them naturally as well, but no, it didn't help. Love that for you. Love that for you. (laughs) Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. Doesn't work. Um, I tried. But yeah, I think like from my personal experience, Danny mentioned like it's back in 2017 that I got mine done as well. And when I was going through it, like I was working um, as a nurse midwife, I had a normal job. And I think people underestimate the the planning that you have to do. I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, like I have to take time off work you know, because I can't have a laborious job at the moment. You can't lift heavy can't things. Lift. You have to really think about this as a big life decision. If it's something that you're going to make, it's not just, I'm going to get some Botox and then mm. I'll go back to normal next week. Mm. You're having chest surgery. And I think um, probably my sort of healthcare experience made me sort of think, okay, well, you know, I'm having a general anesthetic. I'm having surgery. I'm having chest wall surgery. It's going to impact my life for the rest of my life. I'm going to do a lot of research and I'm really going to like do the, I guess, the the work to see where I want to go, what I want it to look like, expectations. Mm. Um, and I think that's when I reached out to you and asked like who you went to, your recommendations. And there was a couple of other people I reached out to and it was for this same um, place um, mm. in Melbourne. So that's where I inquired with. I did I did research on their um, infection rates, their post oh, wow. rates, their rupture <laughs> rates, where they got oh, the implants on, um, the um, something I'm big on as well, right? the your anesthetist will make mm. or break your recovery like mm. i used to say this all the time i'm like wow such and such is working we know everyone's going to wake up and be vomiting oh really <laughs> so that's a thing yeah just based on the anesthetic that they oh give my the god cocktails. so i'd also read and heard of a lot of horror stories of places not having anesthetists so whenever oh. you're having a general anesthetic it's so important that you have an anesthetist and there are some twilight clinics where Mm. they give you a sedation and not a general anesthetic. And that is something, if anyone ever asks for any advice from me, that's the one thing I'm like, just make sure it's a proper like, like clinic. It's not a cosmetic doctor. It's a cosmetic surgeon and they have an anesthetist because if Mm. shit goes wrong, like you want to know that you've got the people there and this is not the place that you want to be like counting your pennies and cut and and working on a budget. Don't be a tight ass. You pay for what you get. Oh, don't go to the cheapest place. Honestly, everything that you just said, Cheryl, is spot on because prices can vary between 6000 to like 15000 $20,000. Mm. And now I would not go the cheaper option just because mm. of all of that. Um, mm. Some people go overseas to get it done and there are some brilliant um, surgeons overseas. But personally, yep. I wanted to have my follow-up appointments readily available that I could just yep. drive down there and get checked out. Um, but yeah, do your research. I didn't do too much, to be honest. I was naive, young, carefree. I don't know what's happened to me now. I think it must be as you get older. If I had researched, I probably yeah, would yeah. have done it. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so my research was sort of asking two of my closest friends where they went, um, but luckily you and I ended up at the same place. So kind of <laughs> I did the research right. in hindsight for you. Yeah, uh, exactly. But correct me if I'm wrong, Danny. I remember you sharing that you had actually gone overseas, right, in Europe, and you had like a really big um, incident and you come back and you're like, oh, I'm going to do this thing that I've wanted to do for a while. Is that oh, right? Yeah, yeah, actually. I kind of, yeah, I was... Um, I was involved in, or not involved, well, involved in one of a terrorist attack over there in Nice um, uh, on Bastille Day. Actually, yeah, you're right. Jeez, I didn't think we'd go down this path on this podcast, but that's okay. Here we are. So it was a very um, eye-opening 
experience where I kind of just got rattled and, you know, very grateful to be alive. And I kind of started thinking, what are all the things that I'm putting off that I wanted to do? And obviously getting boobs wasn't the top of the list because there's so many more life things that I wanted to do first, but it was on there. Um, as well as the fact of, um, yeah, I didn't think I was good enough to compete in WBFF either. Um, so I kind of had this whole revelation and transformation Mm. of mind, body, soul. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go for everything because in a click, it could all be over. Mm. Um, so yeah, you're actually spot on. Um, I was meant to do ICM when I came back and I said, you know what, I'm going to take time off. I'm going to get this procedure done. Um, At the time I was working as a personal trainer. So I had to consider, you know, my clients are going to have to lift their own weights for a very Mm. long time. And I kind of had to tell all my older male clients, because I would sort of work with everyone, um, the reasoning, and you could just tell them, they're like, I'm like, oh yeah, you're going to have to start lifting your weights just for a little bit or play it up. I'm I'm just getting, you know, my, my boobs done. And then you could tell in their eyes, they're like, don't look down, don't look down, don't look down. They're like, oh, okay. But everyone was so understanding. (laughs) You have have those awkward conversations sometimes, Mm. but if you're cool about it, they're going to be cool about it. Um, Yeah, for sure. It's a lot more common anyway. So, yeah, actually, thanks for for the reminder. No, I I just triggered. I just remembered that because I think our experiences obviously shape the way that we perceive certain things and and the risks that we're willing to take and the things that we're wanting to do. And, you know, just because, you know, I would always recommend do your research and those sorts of things, but, you know, you went – Australia you went locally you asked for people's experience and in my opinion that's one of like a really important part that people underestimate I mean like Mm -hmm. I go on Google reviews probably more times than what I should when you're like I wonder what everyone on Reddit's saying about this restaurant they're like yeah that was really good Uh, I think that that evidence there and it like says enough um mm -hmm. but yeah I was very similar I guess like when I I actually didn't tell work that I was getting implants. I was working in a hospital and I, I didn't want to t- like tell them that I was getting implants and Why? taking time off. I don't know. It's just not. You as- didn't want to be judged. Well, I feel like if I was in the fitness industry, it's probably a bit more open. And I just feel like in a big organizational hospital, I was like my business not really okay. yours what I'm doing. So I didn't tell my manager <laughs> that I was wow. getting that. I just I just look took leave to be honest. Um mm-hmm. and I think I took two weeks completely off. Um and that was like the minimum that I probably would have wanted to take. I could have gone back sooner, but in my line of work, like if someone had pulled on me or fallen on me, no. you know, you can't control those sorts of things. And that's what you don't think about. It's mm. sort of like you know, especially as a midwife, I'm like sort of couldn't have been like, oh, well, don't pull on me, don't touch yeah. me or whatever. So, yeah, I took a couple of weeks off. But to be honest, my recovery was so smooth. I don't know about yours, Danny, but I literally like woke up. I only had Panadol for the next couple of days and I was back to normal probably within three, four days. Like obviously there was discomfort and swelling and sleep was impacted and all those sorts of things. But in terms of physical pain, like I would maybe say my pain threshold only got up to maybe a two or a mm-hmm. three out of 10 at an absolute maximum. Yeah. Yeah. And that's great. I definitely had a smooth experience like that as well. Coming out, I was pretty cruisy. I mean, the whole, my whole experience, I was very chill about. I wasn't even nervous. I went in very carefree mm. again, young and carefree um, and a bit naive, which worked in my favor didn't take any of the painkillers after either, to be honest, because I just didn't want to have that that feeling, didn't need them. Um, and the recovery was smooth. It was very quick. I remember yeah. mum, when she dropped me off, she went out um, to one of the shopping centres or Chadston oh. for whoever's in uh, Victoria to go buy it, look at some new shoes or whatever. Halfway through her browsing, she got a call saying that I was done. And she's like, 
can you keep her in? I'm still looking. That was way too quick. Like, oh, she's ready. Just come back now. And is there yeah. anything else you can do while she's in there? Yeah. <laughs> can you shut her up for a bit longer? Um, and yeah, so I was very public yeah. about my experience, which was a bit of the opposite to yours. I actually made a YouTube. And oh, that's right. God, I'd have to. I'll probably pull it out of the archives just because I've brought it up now. But I was everyone get on and just Google it. God, I look so different. It was so funny. Um, telling about how good my experience was but then I also want to highlight because then there was another girl at work who asked me how my experience was just before she was about to get hers and I was so cruisy about it like you'll be fine this that I didn't want it yeah and I gave her a false impression because she came out with nerve pain in her chest and her arm and so I never told anyone like that story again without Mm -hmm. saying but that's me it might not be you yeah because I would hate to now for everyone to think, oh, it's fine. There's no complications. I'm not going to get nerve pain. It can happen. Mm. And it is common, but you heal from it as well. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. And that that just comes under the, the banner of, I guess, you know, you're having chest wall surgery. And anytime that you're having surgery, you are risking things like infection, um, like, um, being, like responding to the anesthetic, like being sick from it, nerve pain, um, feeling numb. You, you are risking those sorts of things. So mm. the surgeon will always go through this with you and they'll say look the possibilities and they say all those things and you're like oh, I feel a bit scared and that's sort yeah. of, you know you should like we, you need to take it seriously and be like just because such and such had a good experience doesn't necessarily mean I will we yep. all have um, different pain tolerances we all have different histories we all have different bodies we all have different experiences mm. um, I do think though you do hear about a lot of the horror stories you know, and that's usually the stuff that goes on the internet about, yeah. you know, recovering and even some clinics overseas, like you always hear of the the bad experiences and not necessarily the good ones as well. Yeah, like what you mentioned with Google reviews and things, yeah. like people normally only go on to say a bad review and then that person, get whoever owns that business, gets all their friends and family to flush down that bad comment. They're like, can you just leave really good reviews? Like, yeah. but um, because I don't know, I've never left, gone on and said, I've had an amazing time. I normally just Google out of fear or if I'm Mm, trying to self-diagnose or, you know, so yeah, just be mindful of the bias on reviews as well. Some people Mm. love leaving nice reviews. Yeah. Like what you just said, you normally cop the horror stories on there. Yeah. Um, Ask the people that you trust, Yeah, you know, like I think personal experience does have a lot to say of how well, I guess, like the communication between you and the clinic is the surgeon, the response times, the recovery, um, Mm. the follow-up, the check-ins, all those sorts of things, right? If you can go from to a reliable source, you're going to feel more at ease. I guess one of the other questions that um, I sort of get a lot of is like in regards to the logistics, like round, Mm. rough, silicon, saline, high profile, low profile, size, CCs, all those sorts of things. And all I'm going to say is it's really up to the discretion of your surgeon. And I would back them a hundred percent. Like rather than being like, oh, well, such and such got 350 cc. So I should get 350 cc. So listen Mm. to your surgeon because they're going to be looking at your rib cage size, your structure. They've done this like more times than they brush their teeth. So they're going to have a pretty good idea of what they should be doing. Um, Unless you specifically know, like, no, I want teardrop and round. Like those, I feel like you're going to be able to decide those logistics. Mm, Your surgeon is the place to go. And that's why having a couple of different consults might also be a good idea just to get a gauge. 
that's right. And the technology is fantastic. Mm. Like they take photos of you and then um, type in like the size and then on the computer, it changes to that size, like in a a three-dimensional image of what you would look like. It's crazy. But I remember putting on the bras of like the sizing, but it just always looks so much bigger when it's outside your body than actually Mm. in. Mm. Like, I don't think it's a accurate representation the most accurate is the technology now we got ours like five years ago so I couldn't imagine the technology how it's advanced now um but yeah you get to actually see your body and what it would look like and um all of that which is pretty cool but Mm. back on the topic of like the implant type I think they're slowly fading out rough like I'm not sure just based on what they found again case by case and if you've got rough don't panic or whatever but as time's going on they're just recommending different things Mm. again case by case but um i think the most common now is sort of the round smooth type and then saline as well just in case you have any ruptures or anything like that and need them replaced yeah look i know heaps of people that have had um implants rupture or the um capsular contraction where the body senses a foreign object and it goes and just mm. contracts around it trying to get rid of it yeah mm. you've um, we've all heard it all and it is a thing so like what you've been saying it's not to be taken lightly but have the discussion with your surgeon around sizing and yeah. looking at your own body type are you wide frame do you have a, a smaller frame it's going to look different for everyone um, yeah. but most people pick too small a yeah. lot of people come out saying like tattoos i wish i went bigger always Mm. but is it the thought of like you know how people get a little bit of filler and then they're like nah too small because you get used to that and then you see some people and it's like fuck I'm really big and they're like I need more have you seen that chick it could be like getting desensitized (laughs) have you seen that chick that has the really big boobs on the um she's been on like a current affairs it's like fucking zed cup probably oh god and she's like i want bigger like you uh, also see got that's real- like a mental thing <laughs> yeah, that's a mental oh thing. my god um because i i the surgeon actually wanted me to go a little bit bigger than what mm. i got and i i was like oh, i just want more of like a conservative boob job not like well, you're going back to swan hill you can't be looking like <laughs> um playboy bunny well <laughs> i was sort of like you've got to think about this as what's your lifestyle like i love being active i love being able yep. to like you know and you've got to sort of weigh that up as well. Um, yeah. I went a touch. I actually met him in the middle. So like, you know, okay. when you said you tried on the bra, well, he was like to me, if you like this size, go one bigger because okay. when you have um, obviously inside you muscles contracting mm. over, it's a bit smaller than what yeah. you imagine. Because yeah. I remember being like, whoa, what is this bra? Like, Yeah, <laughs> you feel around. so weird with it on. It's like not you. It's not yeah. yours, right? It's like out-of-body experience. Mm. Uh, and then I went like in the middle of what he recommended. But I have heard like what you said, a lot of people regretting um, the size. And that probably comes back to maybe you've chosen that rather than getting the recommendation of what they want. Or yeah, think. yeah, for sure. Um what else was I going to say? Um, I've just had a blank now, but it also depends on like the incision and the tea yeah. drops and all of that. So you can get it inserted like under your armpit, um, under your boob, like under your pants. That's where I got it. So I've got mm. two small cuts like under my boobs where I've actually lost feeling there as well now, mm. um, which is fine. It's just a bit weird. And you have to be a bit mindful when you're using the hairdryer if you don't have a top on because oh. you can't actually. Yeah, that was one of the warnings. They're like, if you dry yourself naked after the shower, just be careful because you won't be able to feel the heat there. So that's kind of the only thing that sort of stuck around with me. But mm. um, where did you get yours inserted? 
Well, underneath them, because we had the same surgeon, usually they'll have a preference mm. of like the implant placement. So whether that's going to be over the muscle, completely under the muscle or in between or subglandular, um, then the incision, whether it's like through the armpit, they even do um, umby, like through the belly button. Some people do it. Yep. They do through the belly button. They insert and then fill the implant up. So you have no scars. Yeah. Oh, that sounds wild. Is that new? No. no, not really. It's just, so not, it's just not as common. So it's it's surgeon preference for where they will usually do the incision. They can also go around the nipple, like they can yes. take the nipple off and then reinsert it. I no, they don't take it off. They cut a little oh, well, bit. They <laughs> cut around it. Very no, sometimes they can take it off if you have a lift. And yeah. then they Oh, will... if you have a lift. See, that's another thing. Sometimes they recommend having a lift as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or so our surgeon didn't, but some surgeons put two different sizes in based on because you know, no one's perfectly symmetrical. We all have different sizes. And some people freak out after the surgery saying, Oh my God, they're not even, but you weren't even yeah. when you went in. Um, yeah. I know our surgeon doesn't like doing different sizes, but they highlight the fact, hey, this is what you look like. You have different size nipples yeah. or they're a bit higher or lower. Yeah. You're not going to come out perfectly symmetrical, but that's because that's your anatomy. So be yeah. okay with that as well. Yeah, exactly. I think like at the end of the day, you've really just got to back the surgeon and what mm. they think is best for you because obviously they want their work to be good as well. Oh, yeah. um, and, you know, usually like what we've mentioned, you can read a lot of things on the internet or other people's experiences and take on biases of what you think should be right. And if they have a preference they're probably good at doing it that way. Like if mm. they're good at going, you know, under under the breast for the incision um, or doing high profile round or whatever, and then you're saying, we'll do a teardrop through the umby and, you know, I would be like, I don't want you doing something you're not used to doing either. Yeah, exactly right. Um, a lot of surgeons have Instagram now or their pages. Yeah, like they do so many. It. There are so many collaborations out there, aren't there? Hey, we'll give you a fucking, I don't know, a new this I if know. you just give me a shout out. I'm like, we just used to be offered free tea, <laughs> detox tea. Now people have been offered surgery. <laughs> I don't know if you said like everyone, seriously, (laughs) it's becoming a really big thing. So this is why we're getting so many questions. Probably. This is (laughs) another thing to be mindful of though. Like when you're asking Mm. for people's experiences, is it biased because they're promoting this? Even if they said they're paying for it, like put your, put your cap on and be like, look, they're really pushing that they've had this procedure. Whether it's a breast augmentation or something else, you know, I think that that antidote or that evidence that we get from trusting someone, like I obviously trust Danielle's friends with her so Mm -hmm. I could back her experience where if someone's Mm -hmm. being paid, their their sense is going to be warped a little bit because they've got like a free breast augmentation. So so you just got to be really, I guess, mindful and don't just get one source, like get multiple Mm -hmm. sources as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and back on the topic of over versus under the muscle, or you can get a little bit of both. Um, I think we both have under the muscle, right? That's what I've got. So I've got subglandular, so in Ooh, between. In yeah. between. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I suppose with all of them, you can still breastfeed. So that's a common question that we get, and that's the first thing my grandma asked me. <laughs> She's always thinking about the next generation and yeah. about my kids. I'm like, it's fine. I, you can still breastfeed, which is awesome. Um under the muscle is a little bit more of recovery time just because they actually cut into your muscle. Mm. And then over the muscle is more of that rounded, prominent look as well. So quicker recovery, 
more of that prominent look the way you kind of say yeah they've had their boobs done um and then under the like the further under you go longer recovery Mm. time but then they kind of sink into your chest a little bit more yeah yeah and that subglandular incision that i've got they sort of like cut the muscle in half the pec Mm. major and minor and split them and they like wedge the implant in between so up the top you don't get that real round look it's more Mm. smooth over the muscle but then underneath it's the round look so you get that under boob look so to speak and that's why they do that subglandular completely under the muscle like what you said danny it's more they i don't know whether they tend to do a whole lot of that now because of the recovery time and then um as well i know they use it a lot for reconstruction surgery Mm if you've Mm. had breast cancer um and the other thing i was just going to mention is if you have implants that's completely over the muscle um and under the nipple usually they do cut the supply and it's a bit more difficult to breastfeed i'm not actually entirely sure if you can breastfeed if it's Mm. over the muscle completely we will confirm this with um sheridan who are actually getting on um next week or the or the following week in regards to breastfeeding that can probably be something that yeah that's a good idea yeah Whenever you have breast or chest surgery, you're always at a risk of cutting a nerve supply. And like I didn't have feeling in my nipples for like the first month. Yeah. Um, mm. That can regenerate. So that's the thing of like, you're actually, you're actually more at risk of not being able to breastfeed if you have um, breast reduction than if you have an augmentation. You're actually taking away glandular tissue. But mm. whenever you have chest wall surgery, it's definitely something you've got to consider of like it being a possibility. But working yeah, as so a that's midwife, a good way to highlight. Working mm. as a midwife, I worked with a lot of women that had breast implants that still um, were like breastfeeding successfully. Yeah, I should have reworded that. No, thank you for actually clarifying. Obviously, there's going to be a risk for anyone to not be able to breastfeed, but it's not like there's one certain thing and it's like you will definitely not be able yep. to after this procedure but mm. there is more of a risk yeah thanks yeah. for um it's definitely more up. of a risk and it's something yep. that like when i go to have children i'm going to be more proactive in making sure that i can establish a full supply and i'm like hand expressing early and i'm doing those sort of things to increase milk supply it's mm. definitely something that you've got to keep in the back of your mind because it is a risk factor yep. but it doesn't mean that you can't breastfeed because that was something that i was told until I actually spoke to um, an LC or a lactation consultant at work and I was like, if I get breast implants, can I breastfeed? Because that's going to be important for me at some stage. Mm -hmm. And she was like, yes. And then she went through all that sort of stuff with me. I was like, great. There Mm -hmm. we go. Clear. Sign me up. Yeah, it's important to consider all of those future things. Even if you are young, you don't really think about what's life going to be like in 10 years' time, but you click your fingers and it's been 10 years' time. So it is important. Um, Leading up to the surgery, we both trained right up until. I trained Mm. chess like up until two days before. That's why I think my recovery was really good just because I – and previously, I spent so much time training chest in the attempt to grow boobs that I was strong. There's a lot of blood flow. You know, when yeah. you're active, you sort of generally recover from surgeries better. Um, so for me personally, I had four weeks off training completely. But within that, I did some light walks and sometimes a bit of mm. band work, just move my feet around, whatever. Um, so and then six weeks off upper body training as well, um, mm. because you have to it's not because of the pain. It's because you don't want to disrupt any scar tissue. You yeah. can't have your heart rate high as well, like too elevated. So, and, and core bracing, it's all linked. Mm. I remember yeah. in the first stages, like mm. my upper back really hurt because it was always on stretch because your body yeah. naturally hunches forward to protect it. So to kind of just pull your shoulders back, it was, yeah. I mm. remember 
it felt like there's like an elephant on your chest because they wrap you so tight. It just Mm. feels like you've been compressed. That was Mm. my first memory. Yeah. Even your, um, like your breathing's restricted at the start. I remember not being able to take a big deep breath because it was hurting. So, Mm. you know, we, no muscle moves in isolation, really. Mm. Everything's linked together. And what you mentioned there about the blood supply, really important because a lot of Mm. people think, oh, well, you know, it's been a week. I'll just go back and do some machine work. And it's like- the even elevating your core body temperature and increasing blood circulation is not ideal because you don't want like you don't want to disturb that healing process or that Mm. inflammatory response of the tissue actually healing increasing blood flow to that is not a good idea Mm. um i think as well like everyone can relate to like probably having wisdom teeth out it's the same concept you know, if you get Paul's your heart just rate recovered up, recovered from his, he yeah, had dry yeah. socket for two weeks. Oh, it, <laughs> poor bugger! I know. He, yeah, that the one symptom that everyone doesn't want, he gets. So yep. anyway, yeah, yep. back on wisdom teeth. What were you saying? Yeah. Well, if you, you know, if you go out and you have a big workout and you just had your wisdom teeth out, yeah. your gums are going to bleed. You know, yeah. you've got to think about what's happening internally as well because the stitches are usually internally they'll stitch you up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I had like my own experience. I think I had our six to eight weeks off lower body and then 12 weeks off upper body. I wasn't in a rush at all. I was a bit more conservative um, returning back to the gym. But yeah, I definitely remember like returning back and feeling very like immobile in my Mm. upper body and in my shoulders and just very fixed because I'd sort of adopted these postures um, to prevent stretching my chest. So Mm. I had to spend a lot of time like, you know, just even being able to put my arms up and extend completely through my shoulders and just be able to lay on a foam roller and like Mm. get my upper um, thoracic back rotating and you know I just felt like I had no idea of the concepts of mobility or anything back then but I was doing all of the things because I was like okay this feels tight need to stretch through here single arm here and there was like probably a big transition phase where yeah I did go back and do lower body machine work and just get comfortable and probably just broomstick upper body stuff to be honest I remember being um, like, I'm not until I have full rotation through my shoulders with the Mm. broomstick, which is something I do as a warm up. I'm not doing any overhead pressing. So I started back with like rowing and rear delt stuff, obviously to strengthen those upper back muscles was the first way I went and slowly, slowly, slowly building up to actual shoulder work. And I don't think I returned to chest work for a very long time, to be honest, probably six to eight months. I don't think I'd, I'd dumbbell flat pressed. Yeah. Wow. And that's fine. And that's very common. Some people never return to chest training ever again, which I wouldn't recommend because we need chest training for shoulder health. Um, and you still need to train your chest muscles, but I think I was in a bit of a rush to get back, but I did feel good. Cause I, I remember the surgeon saying, don't train yet. Don't yeah, train yet. I yeah. needed heaps of reminders. Cause I was working in the gym every day. Yeah. You know, I loved it so much and I felt fine, but I listened and listened to my body. And then like you, you slowly add in some mobility work. And I was lucky to be studying osteopathy at the time. So I got my mm. classmates to, you know, do some um, loosing of my pec muscles yeah. and the mobility stuff up in class um and then a lot of them got theirs done afterwards actually which is I don't know monkey see monkey do um but then started back on machines as well and Mm. um now there's I I don't omit any movements at all Mm. I bench press now I do all my wide grip pull-ups and things but there was a period and for everyone 
start with neutral grip as what yep. you said, Sherelle, and, you know, some close rows for upper back work because that feels so nice when mm. you do it. Rear delt stuff, as you said, even a bit of biceps, triceps. Um, the last things that you do is like wide grip, like pull downs and chin ups and flat mm. bench press. So anything with a wide grip, it's going to feel like they're, they're separating. And for some people, they can. Um, for other people, it's just that feeling of like, oh, what is this? So mm. nice close grip and and just light weights, high reps. Yeah. From my, like, I guess my training, um, I guess a biased opinion, like for me, I personally really like the look of like an upper developed chest, like mm-hmm. around the shoulders. I like that. So I still do a lot of like incline pressing. Um, I personally find a slight incline more comfortable than a flat bench. Yep. You know, when you first go back to the gym after you've had implants and you can feel it contract and almost move over, like what you're saying, that yep. splitting down the middle, that separation. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally still get a little bit of that with a flat bench. Yep. Unless I'm going really heavy, I don't feel anything. But from an mm. aesthetic standpoint, I don't train chest like I train legs. I train chest for more of like a movement and even maybe like an anterior shoulder um, development perspective. And I still do volume for it, but I don't, I exercise it more than actually training it, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And the muscles are covered. So aesthetically, you're not really going to see them. Um, I, the, actually I, I, was incorrect before so i actually don't do any chest flies yeah I'm holding the weights and bring them down i just don't like the feeling of that on my chest actually and those cable cable flies i used to be the biggest bro <laughs> ever that was one of my favorites i'd train with my brother we'd be on the cables doing chest yeah. flies so they're the two that i don't um but yeah incline will always feel nicer for people but there's there's no real things off limit unless it feels a bit weird. So mm. for anyone with clients who've, who's just had the surgery, A, always listen to their surgeon's yeah. advice first, no matter what yeah. they say. Um, and then just ask your client for feedback. Like, mm. are there any movements that you don't feel comfortable doing? But then yeah. don't be scared of chest movements. Like yeah. you can still train chest, but you just yeah. need to have that communication with your client on what they mm. actually want to train. Yeah. And also what the goal is, you know, like if if your goal is aesthetics, like for me, I'm sort of like, well, if you can't really, you can see upper, you know, your upper chest, but you can train that in a lot of different ways. But if you can't really see it, would I put that volume to better use, right? On a muscle that you can actually see. So it's sort of like about the, the, the goal. Cause if it's like a strength based, well, it doesn't really matter from an aesthetic standpoint, does it? People are doing it for a different purpose. Whereas if it's aesthetic based, then, you know, you just got to assess that. Something I will say though, is like when I, um, I probably didn't train chest for a while, like when I first got back into it. And then when I reintroduced some chest volume and some heavy pressing, whether it even is overhead or inclined, just heavy pressing work, um, my shoulders grew a lot, obviously, because mm. we mm. have those anterior deltoids that get Get so much stimulus from pressing and I personally don't train anterior delts in any other movement than a pressing per se because they do mm. get enough stimulus from that right yeah. so you've got to think that if you are taking away that heavy pressing and there are a lot of bikini athletes that do don't do any heavy pressing work yeah. um you are missing out on shoulder games you yeah. know and 
that's from personal experience as well. So I used to do, you can do all the lateral raises in the world, but if you want to develop those full round shoulders, you need to target anterior delts. There's no better way than a heavy um, incline press. Yeah, that's right. And then also to avoid injury as well. We need strong muscles. We need shoulder health, shoulder stability. We need to Mm -hmm. know how to use our shoulders. So it is very important. And, you know, even if you don't want to build up pure strength or put like your standard hypertrophy Mm. volume in still do the movements, but you can do it at a lighter weight. That's fine, but still do the movements. Even an incline push up, you know, just some form of like actual heavy resistance pushing. You need Mm. that as an integral part of that push pull um, vertical sort of load, horizontal load. Sorry. So there's lots of different ways that you can do it. And that's why I bias like an incline press for a long time. Um, You can, there's so many ways to skin a cat. Like as we, always say it's just about making sure that you've got the foundational movements in there yeah I remember um deadlifting for the first time as well so not only do you have restrictions in the upper body but lower body so having a bar on your back or holding like heavy dumbbells or barbells as well so you really have to sort of ease into that stuff as well um and just be mindful that your posture has changed because you've got scar tissue like leading everything towards Mm. the front you might be more prone to a rounded back particularly you know the upper back so you Mm. can't sort of just say oh i used to train like this it should be the same well no Mm. you really have to be your own scientist as we always say and find out where your new starting point is and build from there but it comes back so quick particularly if you have a long training history like a lot of people think oh I don't want to take the time off like what will you I do in this time it does actually go quick like I just I was studying at the time and we were still working and there's always something to do to pass the time Um, Mm -hmm. and I think it's an important break to have because then you get to develop other areas of your life that just aren't around the gym because we do still need more in our life than just that Yeah. And that was something that I was like, yeah, like I'm not going to rush back to this. I've got a whole life of training. I actually finished Mm. my postgrad studies. Mm. Um, Like I got a different job. I did lots of other things. I did some travel. I went to Europe, did lots of other things and then come back to it. So I was like, you know, you hear horror stories of people trying to recover or rush the recovery process and doing damage, right? It's the same as injury. Like you've had surgery and you've got to be mindful of that. Um, It does, you know, it takes discipline, especially if you're, you know, I couldn't imagine like working in the industry. And if I had to do it now, you know, being more, even more so in the industry and passionate about trading than what I was then being like, yeah, I'll have 12 weeks off. That's okay. Yeah. Going anywhere. Uh, Mm. It'd be hard, but it's, Mm. it's, it's so worth it. And you've also got to think about this isn't covered by like you know private health or medicare so if something goes wrong it's out of pocket it's an out of pocket cost for you and you don't want to be dropping 10 grand because you didn't wait an extra couple of weeks yeah exactly so if you do choose to do it like remember no one's forcing you you're actually making this decision so you need to be in the headspace of all of the potential consequences of the time off that you'll have Um, Mm. and the limitations afterwards like there's a lot to enjoy about it but then there's also a lot that comes with it that's not so pleasant which we've Mm. spoken about so that's why you really need to do it for you because if you're sitting there with that elephant on your chest feeling and you're like man I just did this for other people for validation it's going to be a shit experience so you need to come from a place of already having self-love and then this is like an add-on just like anything that we do when we get our nails done if we Mm -hmm. buy a new outfit fake tan all of that superficial stuff that does make you feel good on your own level. Um, this is another one. So just, yeah, 
really reflect, okay, why am I doing this? And Mm. look, a lot of people are insecure about their chest and that's okay. Like Mm. this may be a solution for you, but don't ever do anything for someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Really well said, whether it is society, a partner, you know, it, it it really should be for you as well. Obviously you need the support from other people as well. I think that's important. Like whenever you're going through something like this, you want your partner and your family uh, on board because it is a big process. And that was sort of something I was like, Oh, it's a choice. It's a surgery. Something goes wrong. Like I've chosen this, but you have to weigh these up mentally, these risks to benefits and make sure that it is the right decision for you and don't take it lightly. And also feel like, you know, we didn't want to get on this episode and tell people, oh, it's all, it's all fair. Go get it done. It's easy. You feel great. You know, there are things that you have to consider. And both Danny and I have had really good experiences, really good outcomes. Um, but there are people that haven't as mm-hmm. well. Mm. And one of the worst outcomes would be to have them done and then still not be happy with yourself. Oh, yeah. So don't fall into that trap because it can happen. And that's just, you know, you look for the next thing and the next thing and the next Mm. thing. So, yeah, we can't um, always seek validation from external things. I mean, it it can help short term, but then it's just another thing that you've done in your life. Then you're always focusing on the current problems that you've got. And what can I do next? What can I buy now? And what can I do? You know, there's a there is a trap there. So self-awareness is definitely number one when it comes Mm. to making a decision like this. Yeah, I remember like doing a big journal entry. I still have oh, it. You're so good. <laughs> oh my <laughs> I did god! A big journal entry about it. Um, and you know, it does have to come from the right place. It's that old. I'll be happy when. Yeah. You know, and I think if you're ever in that trap, you will never fill that with something that actually fills the void. It's like Danny said, it'll always be the next thing. Mm. Especially if you're like, oh, you know, I'll do this because I'll place better in a show. Like red oh, flag. God right which comes up people think that they need it for competing per se Mm. and obviously we have a lot of competitors are listening to this and it's Mm. like like that's a problem that you need to address on a micro level of why that's showing up and where it's coming from where else it's showing up as well Mm, absolutely yeah Mm. so there's a lot in it but today we just wanted to really speak from our own personal experience um, based on the volume of questions that we continually would receive around this and you know all of the logistics we could have gone into all of the tiny details but every practitioner is different every location is different so we kind of just wanted today to be a general overview of both the pros and cons um, as well as speaking from personal experience yeah so thanks for tuning in guys and girls we hope you did enjoy this episode and as always if you did enjoy it please do take a screenshot um, and tag us on instagram thanks everyone